0: Acts chapter 16 today. As we're going through the book of Acts, it's good to remember we're living in the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles started back then, but it didn't finish. We're still living in a time where the Holy Spirit is moving through people to reach the world quite often we think oh that's for the pastor to do he's supposed to be reaching the world or or elders bishops th- those people are the ones that the people that have you know honorable reverend doctor so and so they're the people that are supposed to, no no it's a calling for every believer. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living within them. And every believer is supposed to um, live like you have the Holy Spirit within you. And so when we um, are interacting with the world, people should recognize that there's something different about us Because we have the Holy Spirit and we have peace. While the world is going crazy around us, things that are happening around us don't make any sense, we can still have peace. We know where we're going. We know whose hand we're in. And so we don't have to worry about what's going to happen to our eternity. It's already sealed. It's a done deal. Well, here where, as we talked about last week, Paul and Barnabas were arguing over um, bringing Mark along when they were going to go back out now to tour the cities that they went to before and go encourage them and pray for them and find out how things are going. And Barnabas wanted to bring Mark. And Paul said, no, he left. He, he checked out. And so I really don't want to bring him. But Mark was Barnabas's cousin. So it was like, well, you know, well, let's, let's bring him. Let's mentor him and raise him up. And so this disagreement made them break company with each other. Barnabas took Mark and then went on their own missionary journey while Paul took Silas who was there. Remember Silas came from Jerusalem um, to Antioch, back to Antioch to bring the letter to the Gentiles. Silas was with them and Silas stayed there in Antioch after uh, the other Jews went back to Jerusalem. He decided to stay. So he and Paul are now connected and they're going out to revisit the places that Paul went to previously in his first missionary journey. Today's message is titled, Follow the Lead of the Spirit. We continue our study through the book of Acts with chapter 16 in verse 1 where Paul. Now begins uh, this next journey, this next missionary trip. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. So as they're traveling, they go back now, I believe they met Timothy. Five years earlier. It's been five years since they went on the first missionary journey with uh, Paul and Barnabas. So now Paul and Silas are starting out five years later. Timothy is now five years older. He's still a young man um, uh, as far as leadership in the church goes. He's still a young guy. And Paul is now reaching out to him because he sees there's something special about Timothy. His mother was Jewish. Remember, his grandmother was Lois. We read about this in Second Timothy chapter 1. His grandmother was Lois. His mother was Eunice. And then uh, we're told in that chapter that he also had the same spirit as they, and his faith was strong, Because he was raised up. The grandmother, the mother, and now Timothy was raised up now knowing this truth. And they were believers now. So it couldn't have been that all their lives they were believers because, you know, they were older. And they probably learned about Jesus within the last five, six years. So here's Timothy now, five years later. And um, he's a little bit older. Don't know how old, probably in his 20s. And um, he's been raised up well by his Jewish mother who was a believer. But his father was Greek. Now that tells us a story. We don't know if his father was even alive at this point. All we know is that he was born of a Greek father. So that means that... He wasn't a believer. Otherwise, it would have said a Greek believer. But it just says he was Greek. And the line, the lineage of Jews is followed by the mother. So he was a son of a Jewish mother. But we find out here... In verse 2, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. So he was uncircumcised. And uh, he wasn't really following a lot of the Jewish traditions. Because his mother was a believer. And his grandmother was a believer. And so uh, they didn't see the importance at that point. Now, remember, Paul and Barnabas um, had gone back to Jerusalem to find out uh, what they were going to do about the uncircumcised Gentiles. Then they came back with a letter and said, you know, you're good as long as you don't eat uh, meat that was worshipped or given to an idol, and you don't eat meat that was strangled, and you don't drink the blood, and you don't get involved in sexual immorality. So that was what was in the letter that they were delivering, and they're taking that same letter right now, and they're traveling back through the churches to deliver that letter to the other churches. They want all of them to know, the Gentiles to know, that they aren't uh, confined to uh, the Mosaic law as uh, they were being told by some Jews uh, in that area. There was also a group, they were called the Judaizers, and they were going around to the churches. Every time Paul and Silas would visit a church, they would come in behind and try to sway the teachings uh, that Paul and Silas taught them, and try to make them um, fall under the law again. So this was an ongoing thing uh, that was happening on a regular basis. So this sounds like a contradiction. From last time, when they were told they didn't have to circumcise the Greeks, Or anyone, really, if they're followers of Jesus, they didn't have to be circumcised. Now it looks like Paul is saying, no, you do have to be circumcised. Well, this was a special case. Timothy was the son of a a Jew. So by circumcising him, it gave him the ability to now cross over both sides. He can minister now to the Gentiles and minister to the Jews, just like Paul said, I, I have become all things to all people. He was able to talk to both sides of the fence. He was able to talk to the Greeks, and he was able to talk to the Jews and share with them the good news of the gospel. And uh, he was doing the same thing with Timothy. He was raising him up to be able to be effective to both groups of people. Notice that Timothy... Had a good reputation. Uh, You know, that's interesting that it it says here, uh, let's look. uh, And as they went through the cities, they developed, uh, I'm sorry, going back, Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish who believed and his father was Greek, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Lystra and Iconium weren't right next to each other. They were a little bit apart. And here's the thing. He was spoken well By both of them, meaning he was involved in both churches, the one in Lystra, the one in Iconium. So if he was well spoken of and he was still uncircumcised at that point, he had a good reputation that it didn't matter what his status was. And that's the same for each of us. Okay, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter all the trouble you caused when you were a teenager or in your 20s or whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter. Because when you give your heart to Christ and you invite the Holy Spirit in, all your sins are forgiven. As far as east is from west, your sins are cast into the lake of forgetfulness. And as Greg Glory likes to say, and there's the sign that says, no fishing. You can't pull out the sins and accuse anyone anymore because they are forgiven. And so some people like to think, oh, that's sloppy grace. That means you can go do whatever you want. That means you can live in sin and, and you know, because you ask for forgiveness. It's all forgiven. You're good to go now. Now you can live any old way you want. Well, Paul refutes that. He says, what? Shall you live in sin so, so that grace may abound. So you continue living in your sinful lifestyle so that there's more grace from God to pour out over that sin. God forbid. The reason why we can't do that is because it doesn't make any sense. Oh, Rick, are, uh, you know, I heard that you're a really good gardener. I am. I, can, I plant things and they die. I'm, I'm good at planting things. I'm not good at keeping them alive, you know. So I guess the good part of what I do is planting because it all dies. And, and so, uh, you know, if you call me a gardener, you'd be mistaken. Um, you know, I... Don't know how to keep things. You know, we live in the desert, so it's a challenge, you know. I find the few things that I can plant that stay alive, and my whole property is filled with those things. You can't kill lantana. Put it everywhere, and, and you don't have to worry about it, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, when we um, recognize the things that we're good at, uh, we should go down that road unless it's sin. And many people continue in sin thinking, okay, well, I've been forgiven, so I'm good to go. And that's wrong. You can't do that because you're not a good, you know, that's like an ambassador from the United States going over to a foreign country and speaking bad about the United States you know saying negative things about the united states oh well you know they're just jerks over there they don't know what they're doing you know but we'll we'll try to work something out on the side you know and, and that's wrong you know when you're an ambassador that means you represent whoever you're an ambassador to you represent them as if they were there and we are ambassadors of christ and so Timothy was a great ambassador. He was going to these. Now Timothy became uh, the pastor of the church at Ephesus eventually, and and you see in Paul's letters to Timothy in First and Second Timothy, you can see how uh, he was a good pastor. He had a a, a good uh, reputation in the church, and he was very powerful in what he was able to do, even at a young age. There were people that were trying to come against him, but he was still able to do a good job. So we also are told here that the church, we see in verse 5, so the churches, uh, let me go back to verse 4, and they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So this is that letter. That they're going around now, and they're sharing, and they're telling them, this is what you need to do. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Daily. Not on Sundays. You see, I say that because, you know, we go to church on Sundays. You know, and we have Bible study during the week. We have midweek Bible studies and stuff like that. We have events where we get there. The church was growing daily. That means the church was meeting daily. They were getting together daily. You know, and, and some of you have, you know, big families and stuff like that. And when I was growing up, we would get together on a regular basis with people that lived around us. We were kind of like a family, even though well, we were not related by blood. But we were a family because we were, lived on the same street and we all had relationships with, with each other. Someone was always out of something, you know, and and you had to go get it from the neighbor. You know, and, and you know, some of those neighbors, they were always out of everything, you know, and they they would come to you and, and get what they needed. And that was just part of living in a neighborhood, growing up and, and, you know, being like that. It's a little different out here in Arizona. It's very transitionary where it, it seems like people, you know, like to... You know stay to themselves and stuff like that and and uh, I think i I miss some of those times where we had those connections that people would just drop in you know and and you know i I like that kind of relation that that warmth that shows that there aren 't barriers that that you know we 're welcome unless you didn 't want them there then you just didn 't answer the door so um Today, churches are told we have to get along with every religion. That if we're not getting along, if we don't accept every other religion out there, I'm not talking about Christians and Christians. See, Christians, there are many different brands uh, of Christians, okay? Uh, And when we look at the word of God, the inerrant word of God, the truth of the word of God. We have essentials in our faith of what we believe, who Jesus is, what he did for us. Those are the essentials of our faith and we can be like-minded even though we may have difference in dogma or doctrine or something like that. As long as it doesn't conflict with who Jesus is and where our salvation comes from, we can be friends, we can be friendly, you know, and and we can do things together. But there are many churches out there that don't have that opinion, even churches that call themselves Christian, that don't have the same opinion of what a Christian is or, you know, what Christianity means. And that's dangerous, not for me, because I know the truth. I read the word of God. I, I know what the Bible says. It's dangerous for the people that go to those churches. And they think that they're getting fed good food going to those churches. And that's sad. That's unfortunate. And it's deadly for many of those people that have been in those churches for years and believe that that's the truth because they're being taught the truth by someone that calls themselves a a pastor, a Christian pastor. Uh, But they're giving disinformation. It's fake news. And uh, and unfortunately, they're growing even more nowadays because of the fact that people want to go somewhere where they can hear what they want to hear. There was a, a post on Facebook where someone was asking... I'm looking for religion. I want to go a little deeper in religion. I want to learn a little bit more about religion. And so, you know, can someone recommend churches? And there was the recommendation across the board for the various churches. and, And, you know, some people were saying this church, that church. I know some of those churches are teaching a false gospel. One of them recommended Satan's church in Scottsdale. Okay? Honestly, I'm not joking. Okay? And, um, you know, that's where people's mentality is, Uh, you know, and people will be led astray because, you know, they're looking, the person, whoever it was, it was anonymous actually, was looking um, for religion, well, if they go to our website, they're going to be sorely disappointed because it says right on the website, not religion, but a relationship. Mm-hmm. We, we aren't into religion here. We're into having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we don't, you know, religion is acting. It, it's acting it out. A relationship is real. It's between people. And we can have a relationship with Jesus. We don't have to have religion But we need a relationship. Without a relationship with Jesus, we have no hope. Our hope is gone. And uh, so we see there the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily because they were in the Spirit. They were being moved by the Spirit. They were living in the Spirit. And the Spirit does the work when the people are living in the Spirit. Verse 6. Now when they had gone to Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul In the night, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So this is interesting, isn't it? He wants to go preach to Asia. He wants to go to that area and preach. What's wrong with that? I mean, wouldn't that be in the will of God, that all men hear the word of God? And he wants to do it, but the Holy Spirit doesn't permit it. And then they go on a little further, and oh, well, maybe we'll go up to Bithynia. Oh, no, Holy Spirit says no. Now, I don't know how the Holy Spirit said no. It could have been through a prophecy or it, it, it could have been, I don't know. It wasn't a text message. It was some way the Holy... But you know what I do know? They were sensitive enough to know that the Holy Spirit didn't want them to go. Now, sometimes we look at things like this and say, well, that's confusing being, you know, led by the Holy Spirit and then being told no when you want to do something good. Here's the thing. Just because something's good doesn't mean it's good for you. Just because you want to preach the gospel doesn't mean that that's what you're called to do. You may be called to minister to people. Some people are called to be evangelists. Not my calling. I can do it when I need to, but that's not what my calling is, you know. So we have to know what our calling is from God. All of us have one, and we have to know. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What are you leading me into? Uh, What do you want me to do? And so Paul was fully aware, the closer that you are to the Holy Spirit, the more sensitive you are to his leading and guiding, and so here he knew, no, we're not supposed to be doing this. And uh, they keep going. And then he has a dream. And the vision, it's not really a dream, it's a vision. He wasn't dreaming. He wasn't a, so it says it was a vision that he had. And it was a man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us there. And so immediately it says they went and tried to make their way to Macedonia. Notice in verse 10, it says, we, immediately we went. Up until this time, Luke, who was writing the book of Acts, was writing in the third person because he, got all the information from other people and he was documenting what took place based on the interviews he was doing with other people. Remember, Luke was a doctor, so he was very good at taking notes. And so he compiled the book of Acts up until this point from interviews and discussions that he had with other people. And now, in verse 10, he says, we. That means... He's with them now. So in Troas, it appears that Luke joins with Paul and Silas and Timothy. And now they are going as a group. There were probably other people with them too uh, doing this journey. But these are the leaders of the group. And now Luke is with them going out. When the Holy Spirit tells you not to do something... It's important to listen. There are times in my life where the Holy Spirit told me not to do something. And I said, but it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. It, it's honoring God. It, it's something that, and the Holy Spirit said, no, don't want you to do that. Guess what? I did it anyway. Because I'm from New York, and that's what New Yorkers do. You do what you want, you know. And, and so the thing is, it didn't work out. It was frustrating. And I learned, listen to the Holy Spirit next time. Don't just do something that you want to do because you think it's the right thing to do. That wasn't what God wanted me to do. And so I learned to be more patient No, no, my wife, I can tell she just said, no, you didn't learn to be patient. I learned, I learned to delay. I learned to delay in doing things until I know for sure, until I have confirmation that this is what God wants me to do. You know, and and sometimes that's what we need, confirmation. If the Holy Spirit wants us to do something, he will confirm it. Sometimes it may be your spouse that confirms it for you. Sometimes it's another person. They come along and say, hey, you know what? The Lord put this on my heart. And, you know, I, I just wanted to share, you know what? That's confirmation of what I've already been praying about. So uh, it's good to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I'm sure Paul and his whole team were. And here they were. They, now they have the vision. They know they're supposed to go to Macedonia, and they're going to be going, uh, heading over there. You know, if we follow the Holy Spirit, we're going to have an understanding of the things the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish when we're sensitive uh, to him. So they head off to Macedonia in verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part, that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And so here they make this journey. They get there to Philippi, which is a colony. And it's the foremost, which uh, this is a Roman colony. It's Rome away from Rome. Okay, so they plant these colonies and what they do to keep control of the colony is their retired generals, military men, are brought to those colonies to retire and then they're allowed to live there tax free in those colonies, and they kind of oversee what's going on there. They keep control of them. So this was one of those colonies. It had a presence of the, the Roman guard there, and, uh, and it was just like almost being in Rome. So that's where they go, and, and Paul knew how to live with all men. Remember, Paul was a Roman citizen. He had a Roman citizenship. So he could speak to them on their level as well as the Jews, as well as the Greeks that were in the area, the Gentiles that were in the area. So they went there to do what they... Were. Here's a spoiler alert, okay? Um, they go to Macedonia because this figure, this vision calls them to Macedonia. They never find out who that vision was. They never meet the person that was in the vision. They never find out what it was that they were called for. They just go there and they dwell there and start to do their ministry. It wasn't as someone came up to them and said, hey, I was the guy that called you. I was the one that asked you to come over and help. They, they never had that. They just went and started doing what the Holy Spirit had already trained them to do. And you know they were just doing the work so a lot of times we make our own plans our own agendas what we're going to do and and you know so we get to a place and all right this is how things are going to go and and I'm I'm planning on doing things this way and I'm expecting you know in in 5 years this is what I'm going to see the result I'm going to see anyone in ministry knows that when you set those goals and you have those visions of what you're going to do, they never work out the way you expected them to. They, you know, they never, it's never as easy as you think it's going to be, but it's also never as hard as you think it's going to be. Now, sometimes there are, or there are some hard road you know, when, when, you're, when you're doing things and it just doesn't seem like you're making any headway. If you try to plant a tree in our pretty little town, you run into something called caliche. Okay, and you don't have to go far to run into it. The shovel goes this far and that's it. You just hit, what, what is going on? This is rock. No, it's caliche. Caliche. Uh, I've been told. And uh, I I know that it's prevalent. It's everywhere in the area. You can get through it. You just need jackhammers. <laughs> Seriously. They came to our house to plant trees, and they used jackhammers to bust up the caliche to plant the tree. I'm like, is that healthy for the tree to be planted in this stuff? Oh, yeah, it anchors it, you know, uh, you know all right, you're just you, you're, you're blowing smoke because you know I'm a gardener and, um, and I have no idea if you're telling the truth or not. So the thing is, is that God has the plan for us. He's the one that makes the plans, really. But we make our own plans, don't we? But we're told in Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You see, we come up with the plan and the Lord says, okay, good plan. Now, turn right. You know, hold on, but. No, I'm going to direct your steps. Follow my steps. The good news is, once we get lost, we can then say, okay, Lord, I'm lost. And then you hear recalculating Recalculating you know okay, this is where you're supposed to go now, and and God will recalculate us and put us back on the path that we're supposed we're not going to stay lost, we 're going to find the way that we're supposed to be going. so now the, the Spirit puts them to work here in verse thirteen, and on the Sabbath day. We went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. Lydia was probably a convert uh, from Judaism when uh, she moved there. She had a business in Thyatira. And so here she is going to the river on the Sabbath to meet with the women for prayer and stuff. And that means that there weren't 10 practicing Jews living in the city. If there are 10 practicing Jews living in the city, there's a synagogue. It doesn't matter if it's a shanty or, or even could be an outdoor synagogue, but there's a synagogue if there are 10 practicing Jews living in the area. So obviously that wasn't the case. So here they were, down by the riverside, and you know, Paul goes down and says, wherever there are people that are praying, wherever there are people that are gathered together, Paul knows where to go and, and that's where to reach them. And so he meets this woman. She she probably has already had enough knowledge A lot of people think that it was only men getting saved at that time. And this is how God broke down that wall that had women as lower beings than men. Jesus was the one who changed that. He met the woman at the well. And she wasn't an upstanding fine woman who was a seller of purple. He went to her and he told her who he was and invited her to drink of the living water. That's something that for me it's like, wow, he did that. Jesus did that. So is there anyone that we deem not worthy? To hear the good news of the gospel. Is there anyone out there? There shouldn't be. Anyone out there that's not worthy. Because neither are we. None of us are worthy. But. He went to the cross anyway. Because he first loved us. He died on the cross. He made us worthy. But if he didn't do that. We wouldn't be worthy. And so. Everyone else out there that is not walking with Jesus right now, they're just as worthy as we are. They're not. But he loves them anyway, and he wants to invite them in. Here, these women are there by the river, and she wants, Lydia wants to... Be a believer. She wants to fully dedicate herself. She gets baptized. And how do we know that she has a changed life? Because as soon as she's baptized, the next thing she wants to do is to serve. Come to my house. Come stay. If you deem me worthy enough, come to stay so that we can fellowship together, so I can, you know provide for you guys. And it's a changed heart, a changed life at that point. That's what happens in Christianity. It's not a works-based relationship that we have with Jesus. It's not about the fact that when we get saved, we're going to work our way into heaven. You know, because it never happened. What was the point of Jesus dying if we could work our way to heaven? He didn't have to die. We could have just worked hard and got to heaven, right? No, it's impossible. But the works that we do are not based on the fact that we want to get to heaven. It's the fact that we are going to heaven because we have been accepted as sons and daughters of the living God. And now... I do something because I want to show what I believe. It's the evidence for my salvation. So people can know there's something different about what's in here. Because I'm doing what the world, the world is all about me, me, me. And with Jesus, it's all about him, him, him. I know we're not good at it. You know, we're not great at it. Some of you are better than others. I'm not that great at it. Sometimes I you know what? I speed up and cut people off on the freeway. You know? Has that ever happened to you? And and what's your first thought? What's your where's my nine millimeter? You know, okay, that may not be your first thought. But here's the thing. You know, when we when we get angry. Or we want to show people, um, you know, that we are in control. It, it's about us. We're directing attention to us. But when we slow down and say, "Hey, come on in," you know, get in front of me, even though you're going ten miles below the speed. Come on, get in front of me, and and come on over because I can see that um, you want to come over, and you know, and you bless them. It they don't know you're a Christian. All they know is they saw some grace. And, you know, that's the kind of grace that we need to be showing people. So her works were because of salvation, not an attempt to earn her way into heaven. So when God is changing lives, the enemy is close behind, verse 16. Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us, and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim uh, to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul Greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So here was this demon-possessed girl. How did she get the demon in the first? We don't know. Doesn't really say. How do people get demons? Sometimes it's because of the environment that they place themselves in, you know. Some people, um, you know, read books and stuff like that, trying to find deeper meaning in religion and in um, the world, how to better myself, you know. And and they read these things, and they actually detract us from the love of god they actually steer us in the opposite direction and put the focus on us or on the world or on whatever the case may be you know you can you can be rich if you follow these simple steps they sell millions of books obviously they don't work because the millions of people that bought the book are not rich you know the person that wrote the book is rich But everyone else is still trying to figure out what they did wrong. And that's what happens with religion, too. People get involved in religion thinking that they're going to have answers. They're going to have peace. They're uh, going to have hope. They're going to have, you know, spiritual growth in their life. And they're empty. They find themselves emptier than when they weren't. Involved in religion. They're going through the motions, lighting candles and doing this and that. That's what we do to, you know, and it doesn't work because it's about doing things. It's not about what's been done for us. And this girl is demon possessed. I don't know if it's her fault, her parents' fault, that. She wasn't directed in the right way in the first place, but she's demon-possessed. And she's making money for people because she's able to fortune-tell. Now, Satan doesn't know what's going to happen. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. Those are the characteristics of God. And he doesn't have any of those characteristics. But he does know what has happened. And, you know, they know, the demons know, you know, oh, I know the history of this person. And so they do fortune telling based on history. You know, oh, this is what happened to you. This is what, you know, and people are like, wow, they know my past, Yeah, they do. Satan knows your past, but he doesn't know your future. Uh, Unless, of course, you continue down that same road and he can guess what your future is going to be. And, uh, you know, but, you know, all of these, you know, psychics and, and, you know, people that are going to tell your fortune and stuff like that, they, it's all a gimmick. Uh, You know, it's made up, but they know that if they tell you, oh no, that person, they're bad for you, you need to divorce them, you know, and then you get a divorce, you say, wow, the guy was right. I, I, you know, no, that person wasn't right. Whoever told you that information wasn't right because you don't know what would have happened if you would have stayed together. You know, you just followed the information and you went along with what you were told. When it comes to God, he tells us what we need to do in the future and how we can prepare ourselves for the future. Well, Paul didn't get upset with her and then immediately cast her out. It says that she followed for many days before he finally got tired of it. And they were meeting for prayer. And so... When you're meeting for prayer, you're communicating with the God of all creation. It's not time to have someone boasting, oh, these are the men of the most high God, you know, telling us the way of salvation. Well, Paul didn't want the advertisement. Paul didn't need to have the promotion, you know, and he said, no, I'm done with this. And so some people could get prideful about that. Yeah, I'm I'm the one. I'm the one bringing salvation. I'm the one that's teaching about the most high God. Some people can get caught up thinking that it's a good thing that, you know, that they're being promoted by the devil, by a demon. I don't think so. You know, I I'd, I'd rather just have people share the good news because their life was changed. You see, her life was changed, but not in a good way. She was demon-possessed. Today, are there still people demon-possessed? Yes, but what do we call it? Medical imbalances, psychological issues. You know, um, uh, they have drug addictions and so on and so forth. And while some of that may be very true The fact of the matter is that how many people, is there a hospital for the demon-possessed? No. So what, the demons have gone away and there's no one that's demon-possessed anymore? No. There are people that are demon-possessed and there are people proud that they are demon-possessed. And they'll tell you. The internet are filled with people that are possessed by demons, that, that are living satanic lifestyles and they're proud of what they're doing. They're happy about the life. And people are getting caught up in it, thinking, well, you know, they seem pretty happy. They seem pretty, see, Satan will give you what you want as long as you stay in his ballpark. You know, he'll give you everything you need to fail. And that's what's happening to these people. They don't know about the love of God. It's very easy to get distracted. Music, our music today, if you listen to groups like ACDC, they're bold about it. They say, you know, you know that you're going to hell. And no one's even putting up a fight. God's on the left, I'm sticking to my right. These are lyrics from ACDC. And people are okay with that. They sing it and they're all excited about it. Christians should not be listening to that kind of music. You know, I, I grew up with this kind of music. I grew up with the Rolling Stones and the Who and, and Olivia Newton-John. God rest your soul. You know, she, she wasn't satanic. You know, she was a, you know, a good... Sweet person that you know sang sweet music, but then it's still not godly music. There was godly music out there, and I believe that many people get caught up in mu- country music. Everybody likes country music. There's a lot of country music that talks about hey, it's okay to have adultery, you know, have a relationship with someone else as long as it's as you know. You don't need your spouse anymore. This love affair that you're having is very sweet. It's very, and it leads people into doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And these are, you know, generally from people that aren't Satan worshipers. They're just people living in the world that they don't have the answers that we have. And so that's just music. Now think of every other thing like TV. Disney now is promoting every kind of sin that you can imagine. Disney is promoting sin. And they're proud of it. They're happy about the fact that they're promoting sin. Now, as I tell you these things, I'm not saying to you, you have to stop all this, you have to clean your life up and stop watching Disney. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, be aware of what you're watching. Beware of what you're listening to. Okay, just be aware. You know, sometimes I watch things and listen to things to hear what it's doing to the world, how it's impacting the world, because my spirit is sensitive to things that just aren't right. You know, and we'll watch a movie and start, and three minutes into it, we're like turning it off. Click. Well, done with that. You know? But this is Hallmark. And you're turning it off because it's just, you know, they've gone down that same road. Demon possession isn't something that can happen to Christians, by the way. Okay? If you're a believer, you cannot have a demon living inside of you and the Holy Spirit at the same time. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so that's not something to be concerned about. It's just something that when we see things that irritate us, there are lots of things that irritate us. But when we see things that irritate us spiritually, those are the things that we need to avoid. And we don't get caught up with people that are involved in these uh, demon uh, worship we close today considering what we can do to follow the lead of the Spirit. Paul gave us examples in the text today. In verse 7, he said that they listened to the Spirit when he told them what not to do. They listened. Spirit said, don't do this. Okay, I'm not doing that. The Spirit in verse 9 also told them what to do. He appeared to Paul at night and said, go to Macedonia. Okay, And that's what they did. And then in verse 10, they were obedient to the Spirit. They did what they were supposed to do. Immediately, they sought to go there. So how do we become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit? It starts by inviting him into our lives. Now, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but do you know you can ask for more of the Holy Spirit? And we're told that if we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, God is like, yeah, that's what I want too. I want you to have more of the Holy Spirit. And he will give us more of the Holy Spirit. The number two, we're supposed to learn more about him too. And we do that through the word of God. We learn about the Holy Spirit. We learn about Jesus. We learn about God through the word of God. Number three, we listen to him when he speaks to us. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit l- speaks to us, maybe through a scripture, maybe through a spouse, maybe through a friend. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and we don't like what He said. And so we don't really listen. We say, ah, that was just my mind. I, I wasn't really, you know. But the thing is that we're supposed to listen. And number four, we're supposed to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. When he tells us something, we're supposed to be obedient. Not because uh, we have to do everything that we're told and we're robots. You see, I believe that Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke were told not to go to Bithynia, not to go to Mysia, because maybe it was dangerous. Maybe they were going to be put in prison and killed. Maybe something bad was going to happen. Even though they wanted to go there for good reasons, the Holy Spirit knew what would happen and said, don't go there. Now, those areas were um, fruitful later on. And so it wasn't like that was just a place that God wrote off. It was just at a different time that uh, God... Was effective there in those areas. So when we do these things, people will see that we live by a different standard when we live this way. When we listen and obey the Holy Spirit, people will see it and they will want to know what's different. Why do you live by a godly standard? You know, what benefit is it to do that? And that's how they're going to know that the Bible is true also. They're going to know because they're going to see that the Bible's true to us and it's being effective in our world around us. Amen.